And you guys can be seated. Yeah, who's ready for 2020 to be over? <laughs> okay. Well, don't, don't be too quick, because just because you put a 21 on the calendar don't mean it's going to necessarily be any better than it was, right? Like you too saying years ago, nothing changes on New Year's Day. Just because that calendar flips. I mean, you, you look back, you say, oh, man, things can't get any worse than in 2020. Sure they can. Yeah, they could. Uh, I hope they don't, but we don't know what's going to happen. Whatever happens... You can't necessarily change everything that's going to happen, but you can change what happens in you. You can change what happens in you. And so I'm not talking about just making some more resolutions to do more of this and, and some of that. And I'm talking about getting, getting a little bit of a spiritual kick in the pants today to kick off the new year so that our focus is on what really matters, what's important. So it's important that you listen to this today because would you agree that life is just too complicated, it's too cluttered, it's too chaotic, too many distractions, too many plates to keep spinning. I mean, do you crave, like I do, a little bit of simplicity that uh, we're feeling overscheduled and overwhelmed and exhausted? And well, I can't help you with all that. I can't, I can't, nobody can fix all that that's going on. But big changes start with small changes. I think we can do some small changes today. Here's my basic thesis, is that you choose how to respond to life. You can't change all the circumstances of life. It has its ups and downs and detours. Life just happens. But you can choose how you're going to respond to it. You don't have to choose chaos, and you don't have to choose clutter. You don't have to be a pinball bouncing around from one thing to the next. You have control because you have the Holy Spirit within you. And so you have some self-control. And if you're not a Christian, then I, I understand where, uh, and we're glad you're here, but you're not probably going to necessarily uh, appreciate all the suggestions that I'm going to make. That's fine. You're off the hook for that. But I would encourage you to try what I'm suggesting. See what happens. I mean, what do you got to lose? Is what you're doing working? Really? Give this a try. Let me show you. How to simplify your life in 77 easy steps. Here we go. And it kind of felt that way at first as I began making lists of all the ways to simplify. I'm like, wow, that is way too complicated. Don't want to do that because if you overcomplicate it, then we won't do anything. So I just broke it down to a, a couple of major areas. And I think it really begins with this question. What is God's priority for me? Well, and that's simple. Jesus tells us what that is in Matthew 6. In fact, everybody out loud together, let's say this. He says... But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's, guys, that's simple, but it's profound. Seek first God. Put God first. That would make a pretty good big idea, don't you think? Choose to put God first. Begins with that. God first. And then all these other things will be added to you. In other words, you know, all the other things will fall into place a lot better. You're not going to have to stress and worry about adding a whole bunch of things because God adds those things once you get your priorities straight. So what I'm talking about here is the acronym K-I-S-S, KISS. Keep it simple. I'm not going to call you that. Keep it simple, saint, all right? I'm not going to call you stupid, but I will say it is smart to put God first. Don't you think it's wise to put him first. Let me give you an example from Jesus' life. On the outside of Jerusalem, had a couple friends, Mary and Martha. You know this story. They were sisters, and Jesus comes over to visit them at one point. And both sisters make choices about how to respond 
to Jesus being in their home. In Luke 10, we see this exchange. First, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Feelings distracted? I mean, doing good stuff. She's serving the Lord, but it actually distracted her from the Lord. And so she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are what? Anxious and troubled about many things. Anybody feeling that way? All right then. But, and get this, one thing, just one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, and notice, she chose the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose what was more important. They both made choices. And actually, I mean, they were not, not like they were bad choices, but Martha chose something that wasn't as important. She chose to do many things instead of focusing on the one thing. So how do we do that? How do we avoid distractions from the one thing? I don't want to make this super spiritual or mystical because really it's pretty simple. It's the idea of, all right, no more putting God on the back burner. No more making God my spare tire that I just pull out in time of trouble. No more saying I don't have time for God, I'll get to God later, all right, when I have time someday because that's not going to happen. You've got a choice right now to stop and make time for him like Mary did. And if you're a Martha, that's going to be more difficult. But let me show you how you can start. Very simple. Again, I had two major sections to this talk. The first is this. Give God the first part of your attention. Give him your attention right off. How, how do you do that? Well, I think many Christians say that they would like to invest more in spiritual matters, that they would like to be able to grow closer to God, spend more time with God. So very simply, I'm going to give you three main ways to give God your attention. Here it is. Just pray continually, read scripture regularly, worship service weekly. Let's talk about those. First, pray continually. Yes, give God the first part of your day. Set aside that time, that daily appointment with God we call encounter time, where you're focused and you're, you're praying. First thing in the day to get your heart right with God, to get, your, to get your head on straight for the day so you can take on whatever comes your way that day, to ask for God's wisdom. You read scripture, you pray. Yes, that's important. But I'm talking about more than just that one time in the day. This is more about keeping God in the forefront of your, your mind all day long. Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, to pray without ceasing. How do you do that? It's just a constant conversation with God throughout the day. Not, not always praying out loud, maybe sometimes, but just praying silently, keeping him in the front of your mind instead of an afterthought, recognizing he's here with me, he cares what's going on, and so I'm going to talk to him about that. I'm going to seek him first. I'm going to ask for his guidance and his help. I'm going to, I'm going to thank him for when things are going well for his blessings, but I'm going to stop carrying all the load, the burdens on myself and trying to do everything in my own strength and think of God more often. Because I think what we do is we, we complicate prayer. We make it more difficult than it has to be. We think that it has to be at this set time and it has to be for a long time and it has to be fancy and with the right formula of words and it doesn't have to be any of those things. Jesus said, look, you, you, got, you just go in your prayer closet. Just go, go to this your happy place, wherever that, where you get along with God. And even in the middle of, of busyness and other people around, you just go to that place where you're with the Lord and you don't have to repeat the same phrases over and over, he says. You don't have to work up some kind of intense feeling for your prayer to be effective. 
You just go to him and, and you, 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 look at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. Short, simple, sincere, but powerful. You praise him. You present your concerns to him, your needs to him. You ask him for help. That's it. And you do that throughout the day. Yeah, yeah you can have those longer prayer times I encourage that I do that where I get out my lists and and names and I pray through all those things but I'm also saying short simple sincere pray your way throughout the day all right secondly I would say to read scripture regularly which is what most Christians want to do they just can't find time for it or they won't make time for it like I want to get closer to God I'd like to learn the Bible but I got other stuff I got to do. And so God doesn't really have my attention. And if I can't listen to God speak to me through his word personally, then how am I going to really know God? How am I going to know his will? How can I have a relationship with him? And here we are. We've got the Bible more available to us than any other time in history. And we tend to neglect it more than anybody else. We take it for granted. And you've heard me say this over and over and over here. If you want to change the way you live, you've got to change what you think. And change the way you think, you've got to change what you think about. And change what you think about, you've got to change what you fill your mind with. What are you filling your mind with? And if it's not scripture, then it's not of God. It's not, you can't know God without knowing his word. You're not going to have his truth and his wisdom and his counsel. Instead, we clutter our minds up with the stuff of this world. The, the, the scriptures are that's the operating system for the Christian mind. It guides us how to think. But if you're not filling your mind up with Scripture, you're defaulting to the world's way of thinking. And so no wonder you're, you're not living any differently than the rest of the world. got to declutter your mind. Stop filling it with the trash of this world and storing it up with that worthless worldly wisdom. I've been urging you this past month to read through one of the Gospels, at least one during this Christmas season, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I hope you've been doing that. But if you haven't, get a jump start on the new year. Don't wait until January 1st to start this new habit. Dig into God's Word right now. I don't care what part you read. It's all good. But whatever, maybe you want to look for a, a good Bible reading plan to, to go through it like in a consistent pattern. Go on our website, southpointccc.com slash encounter. It's your encounter time. And a lot of different Bible reading plans that you can use in the new year. Set a goal. Say, okay, I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day reading God's word and praying. And look, don't make it a legalistic thing at all. But it's just a way to, to make it a habit. Say, first part of my day, I'm going to read scripture and pray. I'm not going to put it off. Because if you're like me, if you put it off till later in the day, it never happens, right? You, you, you get, things pile up, you get busy, and you just forget about it, right? So uh, you, you need that wisdom from the Word to, to deal with whatever comes your way that day. But look, if, you're, if your Bible time is lunch break, if it's bedtime, that's fine. Whatever works for you, just start getting it in there. And you say, I, I, I can't. I've tried this before. I've failed so many times. So every year, it's like I start and then I, I give up. I, I just don't have 15 minutes a day. Okay, well, I don't want to add anything more to your plate. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm saying, look, find a way. And maybe it's letting somebody read Scripture to you. I've talked about those different Bible apps, like version. Download that on your device or go online to BibleGateway.com. They will read it to you while you're getting ready in the morning, while you're commuting, while you're doing chores. That's not adding anything. That's just using the time that you already have. and look, Nobody can give you any more time. We all have just a finite, limited amount of time. 
and we got to use it wisely. I think I'm on pretty safe ground in saying most of us have 15 minutes somewhere if we evaluate how we're spending our time. We're probably watching way more TV than we realize we are. We're scrolling through too many things on Facebook. We're, uh, we're playing video games much longer than we really think we are. There's a place where we can make sure this becomes a habit, a discipline. One more way to put God first, to give him your attention, is weekly worship. A worship service weekly. Give him the first part of your week, just like you give him the first part of your day. And you're doing it right now, right? We're gathering together and we're making it a priority. It's a habit, just like anything else. Don't even think about it. Simple. What do I do Sunday morning? I go to church. And I know we're still living in strange times where not everybody is able to be together in person. But don't let that be an excuse for bailing out of church altogether. If you cannot be here because of health concerns... Be with us together online. It's the next best thing until you're able to come back to church. But let's make this a priority like Hebrews 10 says. Let's consider. Consider means choose. It's your choice. How to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as some... It's their habit, right? Just It's a habit to miss church. It's a habit to go to church. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the day of Christ's return, drawing near. See, it's your choice, so don't neglect it. It's not like God needs your worship. Oh, God's really bummed out if you don't show up. Oh, he's really hurting because you weren't here. You need to worship because of what it does in you. It gets your head on straight. It gets your heart right. It strengthens you with divine purpose to meet the challenges for the week ahead. It reminds you and reorients your life around God. It's not all about me. It's about God first. And we'll talk about that more next week when we do part two of this series called Simple Church. So I hope you're back for that. All right, so, so far, all pretty simple, pretty base, back to basics, foundational stuff. We're talking about the currency of life, giving God our attention. But then the second major part, I think, is this. Give God ownership of your stuff. Because <laughs> you think about it, we've gone through 2020, where you would think people would stop and reassess what really matters in life. Where am I spending my time and energy and my money? And it, does it really matter? Has it made a difference? What am I devoting myself to? I'm not sure that people have really made that kind of reevaluation of their life like maybe they they should because I don't know that we've gotten to the place yet where we realize more stuff doesn't necessarily mean a better life. That uh, the quality of life goes up if you have more stuff and more status. Money and material things complicate our lives, don't they? They bring on more stress and more worry and more complexity. Now, don't get me wrong. It's stressful not to have money too, right, to be able to pay your bills or provide for your family. But I'm saying if we start to see our stuff as God's stuff, it takes a lot of the load off, right? This this is God's stuff I'm dealing with. I'm just a steward of it. Everything I have is God's stuff. He's the owner. He's the maker. So am I putting God first in my finances? You know, as a Christian... You have the promise that God is going to take care of your needs when you put him first. That's what Jesus was talking about. We read earlier in Matthew 6, it said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Specifically, what was he referring to? These things, food, drink, clothing, the necessities of life. God's going to take care of your needs. Not everything you want, but what you need if you put him first. But we tend to complicate life because it becomes about not just stuff we need, it's stuff we want. We all do this. And maybe a thousand years before Jesus, 
you've got this proverb in Proverbs 30. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. When's the last time you said, Lord, give me, give me no, no riches? Give me neither poverty nor riches. But it sounds like Jesus, right? Give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? I mean, who needs God when I got all this stuff? And I can put my happiness and my security and my peace and my stuff and my money. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord. All right, so are you one of the people who have too little right now? Maybe you are. And we care about you and we want to help you. And that's why we have our weekly food pantry. We have our care ministries. We have trained financial counselors who are there to help you. So I would encourage you, look, if you're... These money matters are keeping you up at night and there is no relief in sight. Would you swallow that pride pill and finally reach out and get some help? Would you text this number, 734-890-5454. Text the word HOPE to that number and we will set you up with an appointment with one of our financial counselors if you have too little. But maybe you have too much. Oh, not me. (laughs) Nobody thinks they have too much, but I'll bet you do. If you're like a typical American, we got too much. I got too much. I look in my closet. I got more clothes than I'm wearing. Um, I got more stuff in my basement than I'm using. It's just it, it turns into just junk sitting around collecting dust. Anybody got more stuff in your house than you really need? All right. Well, don't don't raise your hands on this one. But anybody uh, renting public storage space? Right. <laughs> because you got too much stuff. Maybe you don't have a basement. I got a basement, so I don't have to rent public storage but maybe but these guys who own these public storage places are filthy rich because we're paying them every month to store extra stuff we're not using how, how, how crazy is that we got too much so what I would suggest to you is get rid of unnecessary stuff maybe it's time to downsize to minimalize to sweep through your house and anything that you're not using that just sitting around gathering dust get rid of it Throw out unneeded items. Go through your closet and your drawers. Sweep through it and throw out anything. Give away anything you're not using. You say, well, I'm going to wear it someday. Sure you are. You keep telling yourself that. How long has it been? Those clothes are from 1984. Come on. It's time to get rid of it. I need to do that some more too. Can you wear it? Can you really like it? If not, put it in the giveaway box. And here we are at Christmas and people just gave us more stuff. Stuff we probably don't need. Stuff we won't wear. Stuff we don't like. Can I just give you permission? If somebody gives you something, you don't have to keep it forever. Okay, there's no obligation that you have to keep everything you're given. I'm telling you right now, you can give it away. You can re-gift it. It's okay. I can't find a Bible verse for that specifically, but I think it's okay if it's just going to take up space in your place. Give it to somebody who could use it. Bless them with it. And if it's something that nobody would like, Take a little trip over to Salvation Army. Somebody's probably going to like it. Post it on Facebook or something. See if anybody will take it away. But when it comes to finances, look, I'm no no expert. I'm not going to give you a bunch of advice. But I know some biblical basics that will help put stuff in its proper place. So secondly, I would suggest get, get out of debt. Get out of debt, man. It's such an anchor around our necks. And you probably know this proverb as well. It says, the rich rules over the poor And the borrower is what? Slave to the lender. We're we're living in slavery because we're spending beyond our control. we got to get that under control, live on less than we make, live within our means, get on a real budget, keep track of your expenses, control your expenses, 
Stop all the impulse buying. From now on, I'm going I'm to wait before I make any purchases. I'm going to ask some questions. Like, do I really need this? Is this just going to sit and take up space and gather dust? Can I live without it? Can I afford it? And if I really do need it, is this the best time and place to buy it? Or should I wait for a better deal somewhere else? we gotta, we got to change here and be frugal and escape this cult of consumption that we bought into. And do, do, I, do I really have to have the latest of everything? Am I addicted to technology? I feel like we're always having to get the latest and the, the most upgraded thing there is out there. And we become a slave to that, right? I mean, the standards are so ridiculous now that, you know, you're like, you're considered primitive. You're one of the Amish if you have an iPhone 5. I mean, come on. Do we really need all the latest stuff? Can we say no to more stuff and begin to enjoy the simple pleasures of life that don't cost so much? I mean, making that kind of sacrifice, going without stuff, that's what's going to help you to pay off your debt. And it may be a slow process, but this is the year where I'm going to start to pay it down. I'm going to maybe start with the smallest debt that I have, just one. Just focus on one debt and get that paid off. And once you do, you get that win under your belt, you're going to move on to the next one and to the next one until you get it paid down. And maybe your two biggest expenses, most likely, are going to be your car and your house. Maybe this will be the year to downsize. So I don't need it that big of a house. I don't need that great of a car. I can pay down some debt by downsizing. And get this anchor off my neck. Get this burden of worry off my neck. It's pulling me down. You know, Jesus has a principle about storage as well. He tells us later in Matthew 6, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. See, worry, complication. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because that's where moths and vermin don't destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Where is your heart? Is it in the stuff of this world or is it what really matters? Now, I can't leave this subject of biblical finance without this principle of give God first place in my finances. Because in that same passage in Matthew 6, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. And you complicate life when you try to do both. You can't. And really when he says money, the word there is is, is kind of the old-fashioned word is mammon. And it means possessions. You can't serve God and all your stuff. It it complicates things. No, somebody's got to be first. I'm going to put God first in my finances. I'm going to give back to him the the best, the first, right off the top. That makes life a lot simpler when you say, no, God first in my finances. And so the principle of tithing, you know, giving 10%, that's something that as Christians we're not obligated to do. It's not a legalistic thing like we have to do in the law, the Israelites did. But I think it's still a really great benchmark. It makes it very simple for me. I just know always it's just 10% right off the top, automatic. Don't even have to think about it. And I, I think that's a good principle for us. You know, my son was talking the other day about his finances, his investments, and I, I think he does a better job with it than I do. Um, but he said, you know, Dad, um, I, I, I tithe, which I was really glad to hear. He says, because, you know, it reminds me that it's not my stuff. It's God's. And I reminded him of the Dave Ramsey quote. If God wants your money, he'll take it and leave a greasy stain where you were sitting. God doesn't need your money. You don't need to give because God needs it. We need to give because we need it, because of what it does in us, because it gets our head on straight. It gets our hearts right. It gets our priorities in order. It acknowledges that he's the Lord. 
that, that he's in charge of my stuff. He's the owner, and that's why I do it. I put God first. So are you using God's stuff for his purposes, or are you hoarding it up and just using it, spending it selfishly on your own wants? Because I really do believe, guys, if you get this right, there is a blessing involved. Here's what I want for you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And here's the promise. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Guys, there is peace in knowing that's true. There is security in knowing, not that all my finances are set for life and I'm, I'm secure, it's in knowing that I've got a God who cares for me, who will provide for me through thick and thin. That doesn't mean prosperity. Do not listen to those liars who tell you that you have an inherent right as a Christian to prosperity and, and health and wealth and all that stuff. That's nonsense. What you have a promise is that God loves you. He'll watch out for you. He'll walk through you with it and he'll sustain you through whatever happens. And Paul knew that personally by experience, didn't he? He knew the secret to a simple life in Philippians 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What is it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's contentment and peace in knowing that I've got what I need. He's going to see me through. I don't need any more. I've got Christ. And Lord, if you give me more, thank you very much. But I can live on less. I don't need all that stuff. I got Jesus. I got the hope of heaven. I got the inheritance of a loving father. I've got the best blessings already. I've got the real currency of what makes life valuable. Jesus says in Mark 8, what is a profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? We've got to get our soul right about this kind of stuff. And I know we're all at different ages and stages in life. There's no one size fits all for all this stuff. We're all going through different seasons. But no matter what stage or age you're at, don't let that be an excuse for saying, not now. Not, I can't deal with this right now. Someday. Someday later I'll get this all straightened out when I have more of this or when I've got less of that and I don't have to do this and when A, B, and C falls into place. No, come on. That ain't going to happen. That someday ain't going to happen. That's just stupid. Let's face it. Keep it simple. Saint, put God first in everything. Choose to put God first. Don't look back one day and, and say, man, all the things I thought were so important and so necessary really ultimately really didn't matter much at all. All you got to do is talk to somebody who's been through a serious accident where they've almost died, near fatal, right? And it, they look at life completely differently. It's really put into perspective what life is about. Or talk to somebody who is terminally ill and they have an impending death hovering over them. And they begin to look at everything differently. They begin to stop, slow down, appreciate the moment, enjoy what they do have instead of what they don't have. They begin to value people more. And the truth is, every one of us is facing an impending death. 
You don't know if you've got tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to see the new year or not. So get your house in order now. Get your soul uncluttered now. Put God first. And if you've never made that decision, I, I hope you'll answer God's call today to put him first from now on, to give you new life, new direction, new goals. Turn to him, turn away from sin. Be baptized into him today because he died for you and he rose from the dead so that you could be forgiven. You could have a clean slate, a fresh start. You know where you're going. And that's what baptism is, is you put to death your past, you're buried with Christ, you rise up a new person. If you're here, meet with somebody out in the lobby after the service over by the point near the main doors or room C or D. They're there to help you, to answer your questions, to help you take your next step, get you ready for baptism. If you're at home, let us know, reach out to us. Anybody can text that number, 734-304-7248 or email next at southpointccc.com. We'll get back with you and we'll, we'll set up a time for you to come in as soon as possible. We'll show you how to do a do-it-yourself baptism right at home. But let's get this taken care of right now. It's a choice. It's your choice. If you're already a believer, then what we're gonna, how we're going to respond now is through a very simple meal called communion. Every week, it's part of our weekly worship. It's part of the reason why we get together every week as a simple reminder of what really matters, and that's the fact that Jesus died for us and rose again. And so when we eat the bread and drink the cup, they remind us of his broken body and his shed blood, which purchased our salvation. If you're at home, gather your communion supplies there. Hopefully you have some flat bread and some grape juice or whatever is closest to it. Here you've picked up communion on your way in. If you didn't, know that you can do that every week from here on out. But new little cups, right? They look like little chalices this week. And they're a little bit easier to deal with. On the bottom, you peel it off and there's the bread. On the top, peel it off and there's the grape juice. Make sure you got it in that order. Otherwise, it doesn't work very well at all. Um, but this is our time where you're going to have some time with God to pray. I'm going to lead us in prayer first and then you have your own time and you take communion when you're ready and then we'll have one more song of worship, all right? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the greatest thing of all, Lord, the, the most important thing in life and that's a right relationship with you. We thank you for all the other stuff that you've added to our lives, Lord. The stuff, <laughs> the blessings, the people, we're grateful, but Lord, help us to see that when we have Jesus,